Modernizing the federal workforce has been a top priority for the Trump administration since day one. There have been some successes over the past three years, but many of them are smaller victories achieved through administrative changes. Now the Office of Personnel Management has some bold ideas to help agencies better recruit and retain top talent. They're just tucked inside a 500-page budget document. The ideas, that is, not the talent. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco dug through that document and joins me now with what she found. And, Nicole, let's start here with some of the highlights from the OPM's proposals. What document were they buried in? And tell us what they are. So they were buried inside the budget justification for the General Services Administration. And that's because the OPM budget justification was tucked inside the GSA justification. So once you get you get through that, you do find actually some really interesting proposals, I think. Ones that, you know, yes, we've heard some of them before the retirement cuts or changes, whatever you want to call them. We've seen those before and they're here. But there were also a few new ones that, you know, I've heard about vaguely in conversations before, but I've never really seen them proposed in an official way. And one of them is the addition of new voluntary employee benefits, things like short-term disability insurance, prepaid legal plans, emergency short-term child care, and personal accident insurance. And these are all things that OPM says it's considering. The catch, of course, is that employees would be responsible for the full cost of those benefits. But OPM thinks that because they would hold the contracts, they would be able to leverage the purchasing power of the federal workforce. And that these things like emergency child care, for example, would be cheaper through this plan than if you had gotten it in the private sector, for example. That's kind of the approach a lot of organizations and I think some agencies have, say, with employee assistance plans. Yes. There's a overarching enterprise-wide contract, but the individual need depends on the individual and they can pay for it at the group rate, so to speak. Yes, that is the gist of what OPM is going after here. OPM would need the authority to offer these contracts, and that's actually what they're seeking from Congress. But as you said, Tom, some agencies do actually offer this. The Department of Homeland Security, I think, has seen some success, especially with the child care uh, benefits as well. So that's one. And that's kind of a new thing. You know, I think we've heard agencies say we've seen benefit from these sorts of programs, but never have they been offered before on a government-wide basis. So a vending machine, so to speak, with all of these services that people need just to conduct their lives because life does sometimes interfere with the job. Sure. And especially if you're in, you know, one of those DHS occupations, you're a Border Patrol agent, something like that, you know, you might be called to work that is at an inconvenient time for you and your child. And what about the paid parental leave? And there's some corrections, I guess, they're calling for in the law that was passed and the paid parental leave isn't even in effect yet. So there's no surprise here. We all know at this point that there are problems with the federal paid parental leave law was passed, you know, late last year with great fanfare from both sides of the aisle, the president included. And we know that the law, I think, accidentally excludes some federal employees, much of the Federal Aviation Administration, a portion of the Transportation Security Administration. And then there's some ambiguity over whether or not Title 38 employees of the Veterans Health Administration are also covered. So the OPM proposals here would correct all of that. But in addition, they they actually suggest some interesting things that I think would clear up some questions that we have been getting from employees who are waiting for this benefit to go into effect October 1st. OPM, for example, wants to clarify that this benefit is only available after the birth or placement of a child, of a given child. So you have to specify 
what exactly is happening with your with your agency here. What if you have twins? Then do you have to specify it's either Bert or Ernie? I think you would be able to. I think it would be both. You would, <laughs> they would be uh, classified as as given children for the use of this particular benefit. But OPM says that they want to put this specification in about after the birth of a child because it would simplify the administration of this benefit and would clarify the whole purpose of this was to which was to give employees the time to bond with the child. They also want to say that, look, you know, for some foster care placements, some of them are only for a year. And so I think they're arguing we didn't see many details on this, but I think they're arguing that if you're in that situation, you might have less time than the 12 paid weeks. I think there's still more to come on this. Yes, I guess OPM is in the midst of what's essentially a giant rulemaking process. They are. And they're also under a deadline because Congress intended this whole thing to become effective in the beginning of this coming fiscal year, October 1st. Yes, and we've heard that OPM intends to put out draft regulations, which would be open for public comment in the late spring. So that's the timeline. That's the trajectory that they're on at this point. And remains to be seen whether or not the OPM legislative proposal for federal paid leave will really go anywhere as well. And I just had a follow-up question on something we spoke about earlier, and that is this panoply of paid-for-by-the-employee benefits at the group rate obtained by OPM program. That requires statutory work by Congress in order to let them do that? It does. I was surprised to see this as well. I think what OPM is saying is that they need the authority to ask for uh, the contracting ability to get this done, and they say that they don't have it right now as it currently stands. So, It remains to see whether or not this is something that Congress wants to take on. But I think there is, you know, sort of a bipartisan consensus that OPM needs to get creative in how they recruit and retain top talent. And if this is one way to do it, well, you know, maybe giving them simple authority to contract out for those services is relatively easy to accomplish. But OPM is not proposing anything directly having to do with recruitment and hiring directly. Title V work. So one thing that they are suggesting, and this was another kind of key proposal here, is that they they actually want to do some interesting things around critical position pay and hiring flexibilities. So they want to raise the critical pay rate up to the rate of the vice president, which is around $246,000. That would be a big pay boost for some federal employees if they have some of these specialized skills. God, it could be $100,000 more. It could. And they actually want to increase the number of positions that would be approved for critical pay. It's around 800 now. They want to move it to around 2000 They're also seeking authority to allow agencies to pay special incentives worth up to 25% of their basic pay, again, to employees who have these specialized skills. I mean, we can name cyber, data scientists, all those kinds of things. I guess the difficulty there is, do you have that type of pay scale for people that are career, that are already there, that acquire the skill? Do they get some kind of a big giant bump in pay to retain them? They might. Or is it only for the appointed positions or people, not politically appointed, but the directed positions that you hire under special hiring authorities that come in from the outside would they, would they be the only ones to get that level of salary? I think this could potentially apply to both those who are currently in government and who are under these, quote unquote, critical pay authorities. But then it would also apply, I think, to those who might be hired under the upcoming DHS cybersecurity personnel management that uh, system that we here is going to be rolled out really at any minute now. Yeah, because that would make people stampede for new jobs, I would think. You would think, yeah. Because as you mentioned a couple of days ago right here on this show, 
that the government wants to train or reskill 400,000 people next year, up mm-hmm. from about 200 this year. And I think earlier in the year, Nicole, you reported that of those couple of hundred that were reskilled, not that many actually ended up in new skilled positions. That's right. I think this is just another attempt by OPM to think about all of this in a different way. And if, you know, giving them, giving agencies the authority to offer some of these employees more, I mean, we hear all the time about how uh, medical center directors of the Veterans Affairs Department aren't nearly paid enough considering what they'd get at the private sector. This might be one way to do it. All right. And uh, while we have you, there was another big event. The American Federation of Government Employees had their annual legislative raucous conference this week. Quickly, what were the main messages from there? So I think 2020 looks a lot different than 2019 did. If you're coming from the perspective of AFGE, you know, we had, they had a government shutdown this time last year, scraped by with a retroactive pay raise under 2%. You know, we heard from several members of Congress who spoke at this AFGE conference, Democrats and a few Republicans. And, you know, we heard about some of the accomplishments that they've touted over the past year. You know, the 3.1% raise, paid parental leave. Here's House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. Now, we got uh, parental leave. We want family leave. And by the way, through some mistake in the U.S. Senate, uh, VA and some other folks were left out of that uh, bargain. Yes, sir. We're going to make sure they're included. All right, sir. We're going to make sure. Cal and Maloney and I are working to make sure that they are included. The Senate, by the way, wanted to limit that parental leave to the Defense Department only. Remember I talked to you about parity? Where they wanted to pay the Defense Department? And I don't begrudge them that. 3.1%, but everybody else 2.6%. Uniform personnel? Well, that's the same thing they wanted to do with parental leave. And I said, I'm not putting that bill on the floor. That's House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer. You know, he also mentioned a third priority, which is kind of in the weeds here, which was keeping the Office of Personnel Management intact. All of these things passed. They were all part of those end-of-the-year negotiations that we covered. And I think in talking to even other employee organizations about this, it was pretty clear that it was those three priorities, the pay raise, parental leave, and OPM that House Democrats were insisting on. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out all of her coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.